On your journey through life, you are the hero. There are times, however, when it is beneficial to have an advisor to guide you along your path. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh, Certified Financial Planner, Certified Investment Management Analyst, and Co-Founder of MP Advisors, LLC. In this podcast, Brent discusses some of the most important and interesting topics of the day as they relate to finance, the economy, and beyond. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with your host, Brent Mikosh. Brent, good to be with you again. You've got a great lineup today. I do. You know, one of the great joys about uh, doing this podcast is I've met some really fantastic people through it. And I've got a guy, Jeff Hudson Searle on here, who I met through the podcast. Jeff, I think this is your third time on with me, which is which is pretty remarkable because every single time I'm, I'm able to tap into these nuggets of wisdom. And you brought great guests to me in the past, and you brought another one with you today. We have Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough. He wants to be, I, I feel almost like I'm uh being too casual with a guy with his pedigree to call him Oak, but that's what he wants to, that's what he would like me to call him as Oak. He is uh, joining us today and we're going to continue this topic that we've discussed quite a bit in terms of this need for, for leadership to, to, to kind of retake what's happening in our society. I think all of us that are on here today agree that we have a lack of leadership around the world, whether it's in government or in corporations or, or even in society and culturally in general, there's a lot of trust that's been lost because we don't have great leadership. And the two of you, this is a passion for both of you. And uh, I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. So let's just dive right into it. So, so uh, Oak, it's very nice to meet you. I read your book and I, I, I do want to add that anyone that's watching this, definitely get a copy of Oak's book. It's your leadership legacy. It's becoming the leader you're meant to be. Absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And it's an honor to have you here. And it's great to meet you today. So so welcome. What else should I add to this introduction with you and with what you and Jeff are doing? Oh, I think thanks for having me, Brent. I've really been looking forward to this. And you know, and Jeff and I met on LinkedIn, and then we've met in person a couple of times and even in the UK. But but we really do share this passion about leadership, uh, or in the our case here in the world today, the lack of leadership, uh, to, to try to try to right this ship, because if we don't write it here pretty quick, we're, we're in pretty big trouble. Now, let me ask you this. And this, when did you really see this start? Because, you know, normally by the time society notices there's a trend happening, you're kind of well in at this point. And to me, it seemed like this, this lack of leadership really probably kicked in about 20 years ago, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I, w- I was going to say 15, 20 years ago, where, okay. you know, and that just, and I'm, it, it, like we t- were talking about before, at every level, in every profession, I mean, the military, the government, the business world, universities, I mean, all there is no trust anymore in any of that. What was the first time where you began to look and say, hey, this is a problem that, that the world that I grew up in, the, the world that you were actively a part of, and we can talk a little bit about your military history and your history teaching, yeah. that it became apparent to you that, hey, you know, th- things are changing. Was there an event? Was there a catalyst that you first saw? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I've never even been asked that question. But I, I think probably, Derek, probably my first deployment, the Bosnia-Kosovo time frame back in the 90s mid late 90s, mid to late 90s, where I saw some things going on with senior leaders at that point for me, which were colonels and 
one-star generals doing some things that I just absolutely disagreed with. And that I, I just, again, the trust piece, once, once you, once you start down that road, it's hard to, to regain that trust that you lose. I want to ask you what those things are, yeah. obviously, but was there a theme behind them? Was it something about maybe, you know, maximizing your own personal trajectory yep. at the expense? Absolutely. Is that really what it was? It was, yeah. it was taking care of themselves, not the people they had the privilege to lead. It was about how we treated the people that we were there to supposedly protect. Yeah, there were several things that that went on that really kind of made me look and say, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. I think Oki nailed it there in terms of you might have best articulated something I've been feeling quite for quite some time in the sense that people are using these leadership positions not because they're they're acting as stewards for the power they've been giving given or uh, to advance the people that they allegedly are leading. They've been using it as a platform for their own for their own self promotion in some cases and also to to continue to gain more power. And that, I think that's something that's at least in, in American history is relatively new you had yep. you had a sense that um whether they were corporate leaders or, or uh, military leaders or political leaders or leaders in the community whether the churches that the goal was to to shepherd the people under you as opposed to to consolidating power and consolidating influence jeff have you seen something similar to that because i think that's a really important point yeah look i i, I go back to what you're saying before i mean um you know, you could go. Um, you could go back thirty plus years. I mean, I've been studying trust for that amount of time. When I took my first role, believe it or not, uh, I was an officer at Citibank, um, and you know, it, it was a subject of debate then. But people's behaviour was, was, of course, very different then, and life was very different completely. Where I think I'm coming to this now is that. I don't want to show. I really throw a curveball into the discussion, but really, where I want to get to is that we have to now reimagine everything that we have in our lives. So, look, you could say let's go back six years, and you could say let's go back uh, six months, uh, and you could actually say you could go back six days, and it's been a complete change in our environment, right? Because that's the the level and speed that we're operating at as, as individuals, as business people. Um, and certainly, you know, the way our governments are, are, are actually uh, behaving. You know, uh, I was on the television with the six o'clock news talking about trust. And, and the first question wasn't about my book, funny enough, um, or, or one of my seven books. It was actually, you know, what, what do you think has caused the mistrust in public opinion with the police force in the United Kingdom, right? Um, so this this debate has got bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, and I think that what we've now got to do as leaders in, in and experts in in our subject matter is that we've got to educate now that how how all of these disciplines that we talk about now need to we need to uh, put this into innovation, right? Look, look, you, everyone knows about the light bulb, right? We know about Tom 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 Thomas Edison and the light bulb it wasn't just about the light bulb and about light that he was creating it was the power coming into the light bulb so let's look at trust in the same way that what we've now got to do is we've got this huge environment that we've got to work in 
globally. And by the way, I've worked in over 120 countries around the world internationally on business. And I've seen the behaviors and I've seen cultures. And there is simply no excuse for integrity. There is no excuse for character. There is no excuse for identity. Leadership now has to take full accountability, right? And I don't care whether you are the president of the United States of America, whether you are the prime minister in the United Kingdom, or whether you are, you're a business leader and professional, or you have the responsibility of being a, a wife or a husband at home. You have responsibility. You have accountability. That doesn't mean you can just send a, an email or a quick text and everything's done. We've got to take more care, more, more diligence around what we're doing and how we're doing this. But more importantly, I believe this is about innovating trust, innovating leadership. We've got to invigorate. We've got to start getting back to learning and development. We've got to teach and preach these these very important aspects to the world you know we're see, we're seeing everything crumb we're seeing the ice in 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 atlantica melt we're seeing we're seeing things the heat situation and fires in california and oregon and mudslides okay you know i've just been told by the news today that the uk has got 25 centimeters of snow coming in yet we've had we've been having 15 18 degrees 12 degrees for the last week and a half all these issues well i, I think psycho what, I, psychologically I, I, you know it's but the bigger issue is that we've got to trust one another and we've got to do it with leadership and purpose but most importantly if we don't build a community globally and internationally yeah well, i, I put, mean look let me put this question to both of you guys. The, the, the leaders that we have, and we'll start politically. I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from that one. These are deficient people. These are people that don't, quite frankly, deserve my trust. And, I, and I'm speaking of this across party lines. I, I, can, I can point to a Lindsey Graham as much as I can a Joe Biden. These people do not deserve my trust. They will never get it. They're deficient. They're incapable of, of honoring the, the position that they've been given. So if you have people in, in these positions of, of high power, you mentioned that that's a whole probably another topic. You mentioned some issues with the climate. Damned if I'm going to give them any more power of my life because they've shown that they can't accept the power that they've been given already. And so if you have an entire leadership class that is not governing uh, to the will of the people, which at least in this, I can't speak to the United Kingdom, but in the United States, they are absolutely not. If you look at all of the issues that are happening here internally, unfettered immigration, war in Ukraine, these are hot button issues for the American people. The American people are on opposite ends of the spectrum of where the people that are sending the missiles and covering and you know, opening and closing the purse are. So they're not listening to us at this point. And so they will not get my trust. I'll come out and say that I don't trust yeah. any of them. And so if you're in a position like that, or if we're in a position that we are right now, where people that have accumulated an enormous amount, amount of power don't deserve it, what is the best thing that we as people can do to to change that narrative. Oak, I'll put that one to you. Yeah, I, I, I get asked that a lot. People say, well, because I, I, one of the things I always say is we have to do our part. And they say, well, what can I do? And I said, well, you can do what you can do, whether that's at your community level, neighborhood, community, your city, your state. 
and and it builds and if everybody does what they can do then it will make a difference and to my and i absolutely agree with you i mean it, i i don't think that trust with the current people in power is even imaginable to be fixed but what we have to do is we have to unite together and here's here's my my part take on that 90% of americans are center left center right uh, absolutely. A, a little bit left, a little bit right, whatever, but yep. mainly center. It's that 5% on either end that has had all the power, all the media attention, all their voice has been heard in America for so long that we've forgotten that about 90% of us have the power if we just take it back. And, and that's what we have to do. And I, I see some movement along that lines that the silent majority is not going to stay silent very much longer because we've just had it. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, it's so obvious now that the trust is gone and that it will never be back with those people who are, who have the power right now. And, and we're seeing that in the military as well, that people are standing up and saying, well, wait a minute, this there's double standards. There's we're doing things that don't make sense that don't help in the end, doing what what we have to do in the military, which is fight and win wars, and and it's at all those levels. We just saw the debacle on television with this presidents of universities, all that stuff. Yeah. Americans, Americans have, and people across the world, and you're seeing it. You're seeing farmers all over Europe who are finally had enough and standing up. That's what we have to do. We have to stand up and say enough is enough, and we have to have to not be silent anymore. I think I think that's a great point in terms of um, there's there's been. I'll, I'll give you just a personal example here on some of these issues. You know, four or five years ago, I wasn't going to say anything because you don't want to be you don't want to be branded as someone that that is pick, pick a pick a name or or whatever that, that you can throw at different people. Uh, where now I'm I'm a lot more. I guess, open to just sort of say what I think. Uh, and I think that that's, that's what's changed and, and become very different in the past. Jeff, what do you think in, in terms of changing the, the culture uh, of the leaders above us? I think, I think one of the biggest problems we've got is social media. I think that we've got, we've seen the eras of fake news. We've seen voices of opinion and everybody and, and their dog has suddenly become a, a, an expert on a particular subject. <laughs> what disappoints me yeah, right, Bill. Right. Yeah. What disappoints me more than anything is that I've always believed that we're here, not just here in, you know, here to make money. I've always believed that we're here with a purpose. Okay. And, and, you know, I've always worked hard to achieve what that purpose is. I want to be on this earth plane and planet to make a difference. I'm very trusting it's it's i've always had it i've always been a person that has been very open and transparent it's for the person that i entrust to actually prove me that i'm wrong in that regard because that's the way i am because i'll never get anything done if i don't have a open transparent relationship with the people that are around me irrespective of in in what capacity what i'm seeing is demonstrations right now of uh, of narcissistic toxic and uh, people who who are not who are alienating the whole the very subject of what oak and i are talking about when we start saying 
trusted communities, building, you know, creating social impact, creating impact to the world. And, you know, it's, um, it's that uh, Lazal who will say that the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Yes, we know it's a big mountain to climb. We might be at molehills right now on that mountain, but we've, we, we've got to start somewhere. And irrespective of who, what gender, what, um, what uh, racial, cultural background you come from, it, it does not really matter. London has proved as a city in the world that everyone can actually work together. Believe it or not, you know, we, in London, in any one given day, there's over 300 languages spoken. OK, it's the most connected city in the world. It's where collaboration can take place. We need not to have the, the collaboration taken to the next level. We've got to come out of the transactional relationship and we've got to move into the 5D and have real relationships with real meaning, with real purpose, with real depth. But equally, we've got to have leaders that can take our you know, society and can take you know, people on that journey where effectively we can make great things happen. Now, that's the problem. We, you know, the the um, a senior person at Davos recently at the WEF, so there are two problems in the world. The first problem is leadership. The second problem is trust. Uh, now, now, whilst I understand people's comments about the WEF, look, this is some of the things that Oak and I have been talking about for years. You know, that we've got to change the way leadership think. I said earlier, we've got to innovate trust. We've got to innovate leadership. And we, we look, when you go into a business, when there's a problem, one of the things that the first thing I do will be do a discovery of due diligence, a discovery of, you know, all of the behaviors, the culture, the financial modeling, the product analysis, whatever we're doing. Seriously, we should be doing the same with our leadership. We should be doing the same in everything we do, because if we're to innovate this subject and actually change the way leaders lead and change the way we have worked with purpose, community and trust, then we might actually be able to start this journey rather than trying to band aid things which aren't working because they don't want complete change or exposure. I think it's time for transparency. I think it's time for openness. I think it's time for people to actually put their hand up to say, you may, may maybe I'm not the right leader here. Maybe, maybe I'm not the right person to lead. I mean, you know, in the in the US Army, I mean, uh, Oak and I had dinner in London and we were talking about leaders that lead and and talking about leaders from the past that had a Pacific view. And look. Am I going to put a rookie in a $300 million jet who's just come out of flight school? Or am I going to put somebody in that jet who actually knows how to fly and has been on several missions? I'm sorry, but I know what my decision is. Okay. It's not the rookie. Yeah. And I think, and one thing that I've been thinking about lately that I'd be curious what both your thoughts are is, you know, I try to live my life by the adage, and I'm not always successful at it but not to worry about the things that I can't control, you know, because it's, it's way outside of the scope of, of things I can directly impact. I can directly impact uh, my own actions, the people I choose to spend time with, the decisions that I make. 
in order for things to move forward, but whether it's corporate leadership, political leadership, you name it, I think what needs to happen is, at least as a culture and a society, we need to take responsibility. You know, it's very easy, and I can do it all the time to blame the people that are at the top sure. and for all the mistakes. But we've allowed that. You know, we've voted. If you look at, you know, culturally, all you got to do is look at the top ten songs. Most of them are absolute garbage. Well, that's what people are buying. The political wow. leaders that are in, that are in power, we voted for those people. You know, you can go down the line. The 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 social fabric that, that's been torn apart. Well, those are decisions that have been made on a household and individual level in terms of what's happened. So we need to make that choice to be better and to really accept nothing less. And Oak, I'm going to put this to you. One of the things that that you mentioned in your book. You fired a lot of people, and I think that was because you had a lens. I wouldn't say a lot of people, but there was you know a few a few instances in the book where you talked about that. There was a lens where you would look at a, an employee or a person in your life, and if they did not measure up to that, they were gone. You moved on to the next thing, and I think that that's a lens we need to look through with people that we're both associating with, and also with ourselves. Yeah, that's a kind of roundabout way. But Oak, what do you think of that thought? Yeah, so I I, th I think you're absolutely right. It starts at home. I always tell people the first place leadership starts is at home. If you can't lead in your own house, then how, how am I going to expect you to trust you to lead a corporation or whatever? Um, so it starts at home, you know, and, and I, I do think that leaders have to have standards, you know, and I, I didn't do a good job in my book and it's been brought up by my wife, especially again, my, <laughs> my biggest fan and my biggest critic that I didn't do a good job of explaining when I fired those people. I just didn't walk in and fire them on day one. I, there were things that happened beforehand that I did some counseling and some coaching and tried to get them to change the way they were go doing things it didn't work. So I think you, we have to have standards and we have to hold people accountable and we're not holding people accountable we're not holding ourselves accountable either. We're not. Cases. We're not holding ourselves accountable. We're letting things happen. We're we, we're not taking responsibility. And that's the thing for leaders. Everybody's accountable for everything they do. That's accountability is a personal thing. Responsibility is a leader thing. And leaders cannot delegate responsibility. If you're the leader, you're responsible for everything that does or does not happen in your organization, whether it's a company or the church or university or the government or whatever. If you're the leader, you don't get to pick and choose what you're going to be responsible for. Sorry, that doesn't work that way. You're responsible for everything. But we do have to start holding people accountable because we're not right now. And and it shows. People can it do whatever show. they want. It does show. And from my side, you know, I'm on the executive board of um, some global technology companies and and i do take responsibility i'm also chairman of the renko committee and I, I take my role very seriously but you have to look at debacles like the post office debacle recently when you start talking about governance i mean look look if you look if you look at the privacy situation online as an example we're finding we were finding companies because we needed companies to act responsible OK, now you look at um, new regulations around AI and digital technology right now. We're having to regulate this because it's the only way that they can take accountability for for their creations or their actions. Right. Look, in the world that, that I live, I've always lived in. You take accountability, you take responsibility in the way that a leader, you know, in the word leadership, 
is very different to a boss. Right? So, you know, Absolutely. I've written about this many times, you know, you know, and, and, and in the same way, we're not taking the right controls and protocols and governance at most senior levels that has the effect because if if boards of directors uh, like myself were actually operating charters and terms of reference in the right way and frameworks around you know management responsibility and accountability actions then the world would be a different place i'm afraid to say yeah. So let me ask you this. If, if, um, and then I kind of want to work upwards because I want to offer some solutions. You know, we all agree, I think, that, um, that that leadership starts with yourself and how you're conducting yourself on a day to day basis. And then let's take it up there in terms of how you're going to impact organizations and then your community beyond that. But is there a mantra or a philosophy that both of you live by? I'm just really curious about that, that you run your own behavior through that filter. Absolutely. You know, and it started for me as a small kid. My father used to tell me decisions. Life is about decisions and consequences. Every decision you make has a consequence, good or bad. But every every decision has a consequence. He said, and you got to get to the point in your life where you're making decisions that are going to give you good consequences. He said, and I'm going to help you with that, son. He said, every time you're about to make a decision about you're going to do something, think this thought. Would my would your mom want to, to know? Would you want your mom to know that you're about to do that? And if the answer is no, then you probably don't need to do that. That's good advice. So I I I I live by that still today. I don't use my mom, I use my wife, you know, whatever. But I still think about the decisions that I'm gonna make. And the other part of that is, and you kind of brought that up earlier, Brent, and, and Jeff has talked about it as well, that my man mantra right now is this. I want to make a positive difference in this world. And I tell people all the time, your goal should be go, to go out and make one a positive difference in one person's life today. Just one. If you can do more than one, good for you. But you, anybody, everybody can go out and find one person and make a positive difference in their life. Imagine how much better our neighborhoods, our family, our neighborhoods, our community, our cities, our states, countries would be, nation, world would be if everybody made one positive difference in one person's life every day. Jeff, what do you I, think? I agree with that. I mean, I agree. We and me and uh, Oak have actually discussed this because you know we've talked about the difference between a high growth, positive high growth, accelerated culture in an organization and how the people behave. And we've talked about how if you're in a narcissistic kind of toxic environment, what happens to culture? I go back to the decision making process that you talked about at the beginning. And I'll share with you, I, I, I wrote an article which went live this week, which is all around design-led innovation, and it's called The Driver Accelerated Economic Growth. President John F. Kennedy once observed that the word crisis in Chinese is composed of two characters and one representing danger, the other opportunity. He may have not been entirely correct on the linguistics, but the sentiment is true enough. A crisis presents a choice. Now, in life, you have a choice, okay? And I, I question that. The question is, how much do you want that choice? 
because each choice represents a set of individual actions and outcomes that you have to be prepared for. Yeah. Both have risk, both have reward or opportunity, whichever way you want to define that. And if you look at you look at the some of the greats, I mean, uh, Oak and I share same passion for um, you know Vince Lombardi, who wasn't just the greatest NFL football coach in in the world, but he was also the ex chief executive officer of the NFL and did much much more. And you look at the way that he his ethos and his philosophy. Okay, I've always said that. I've always said this, and it's a, it's a Jeff Hudson Searle word, is that, look, you can achieve anything you want to in life, but the question is, how much do you really want it? What choices or sacrifices are you prepared to make, good and bad, for, for, for the ultimate opportunity? Yeah, well, and I think to, to piggyback off that, Jeff, I think that's part of the problem today is that people are so power hungry that they're willing to do anything. They're not making good decisions for the betterment of their organization or society. It's all about them. And that's one of my things I always say is, look, if you want to be a leader, it's not about you, <laughs> or at least it shouldn't be. It's about the people you have the privilege to lead and you got to put them first. And I don't see that happening right now. And that, that's a perfect example, Jeff. Absolutely. Oh, God, to, to back on that again. Each leader that we have in the world today, irrespective of whether it's government, business or our home, okay, you know, have followers, right? Mm -hmm. Have followers. Yeah. Now, now the question is, the community that we've talked about, they're also individual communities, whether you're 50 people, 500 people or 250,000 people. You have the ability to influence. You have yeah. the ability to make change. You have a choice to lead people in the right way yeah. the fact the question begs itself is what are we doing about making that happen at yeah. our event at our event last year oak we talked i talked about the chief trust officer not the cto chief technical officer i talk about and and i noticed in the pwc 25 25th chief executive report they talk about leaders now saying what are we going to do about actually um having a, a, a somebody that's responsible for trust within the organization and that that is a, a big move forward if certain size uh, corporations you know fortune 100s fortune 250s take advantage of that that's a choice again right how much are we going to look at our values, our ethics to our to our internal stakeholders, our external stakeholders? How much are we going to make impact and make change in what we do? I believe for the ones that do, the rewards are tenfold, in my yeah. opinion. Well, and I, I, it goes back to what Brent said that, you know, it starts with us, each individual. You've you got to show what you want right Absolutely. to look like. and or what right does look like. Now, again, we're not, all, none of us are perfect. You know, the only perfect person ever walked this earth, we nailed to a cross 2000 years ago. So we're, we're all going to make mistakes. That's given. When you make a mistake, going back to accountability and responsibility, admit it and say, okay, I made a mistake. This is how we're going to fix it. That's how you maintain trust. Even when you make mistakes is that you say, okay, I did make a mistake. 
this is how I'm going to make it right. And if you do that, people are willing to accept that you're that you're not perfect and that you made a mistake. It's when you try to hide it or you ignore it. That's when people lose the trust. Oh, when I was a, when, when, I, when I yeah when I was on a yeah. when I was on a global uh, fortune company launching that company into the United States, I have a particular style of management, and and I said no, you have a problem with a member of my team. You don't go directly to my team. You come to me, and I will address that later. That's not how we do things in this particular country. I said, well, that's not how I lead. Sorry. You this, this yeah. is my lead. This is my leadership style, and I'm not changing my leadership style because my people are my people. I think to both your points, I think people are desperate to hear someone take some accountability, yeah. and and I think that um, th even think in terms of personal relationships you might have had, you, you get in an argument with your wife, and if you realize you're wrong, you say, you know what, I was wrong on that, and. Yeah. All, all the barriers are down then and you can move forward on to the next thing. So I think that that's a, that's a massively important point is for some reason we've gotten to this point where we went from the buck stops here to not being willing to, to take responsibility for mistakes instead, just change the narrative and try to try to convince everybody that they didn't hear what they, what they heard and they didn't see what they saw. And I think that that's a really critical piece. But Ben, I'd, I'd like to reinforce some of the things there that, we talked lightly on trust. We haven't really gone to a granular detail on that. Basically, I know we've got time prohibited, but trust is not a soft skill. Just like leadership is not a soft skill. You've got to, now, trust is an output of cognitive behavior attached to leadership. What are you going to do to the bottom line if you carry the skills and characteristics that both Oak and I have talked about around leadership and trust? You can then create the purpose. You then can drive increased financial performance. And by the way, well-being, psychological safety, good mental health, happiness, state of mind within an organization. You're going to increase creativity and innovation. And all of these things that we're talking about, and more importantly, you're going to create better community and a harmony within your environments that you operate with. Well, and then one step further, you're also now creating the next generation of leaders who are following your pattern, not the bad pattern. And, that, and that's just a vicious cycle. Here's the problem with bad leaders. Bad leaders drive away good people. So then who stays in your organization? The people that, that you people. really don't want to promote, but you don't have a choice. So now you promote them and now they become bad leaders and the cycle just continues. And that's where we're at right now. And I think that's part of the great re resignation that's happening in the world right sure. now. People are just tired of it and they're not staying in an organization that has poor leadership. And Jeff, you, you mentioned that the trust and leadership, these are hard skills. First, elaborate on that, what you mean. But secondly, um, when I hear trust and leadership, they're subjective, which makes it hard to measure. You've got you've got fuzzy outcome on the back end that that is the result of, of, of you know, high quality trust and leadership. But on a day to day basis, how do you measure that? Let's take it up a notch now. You're within an organization. How do you measure trust and leadership in an organization in a in a concrete, fully objective way? I'm glad you've taken it to a granular level, Brent. Oh, Brent definitely does listen to me. <laughs> I absolutely do. And I've read many of your books, man. <laughs> so, so I suggest everyone go out and get some of them because they're fantastic. So I get 
I don't get annoyed, but I get disgruntled when when um, a CEO or an executive leadership team say, oh, it's business strategy, Jeff, it's business strategy. And then they confuse business strategy with outcomes, not actual strategy. What I'm talking about, if you want to take trust to hard instead of what a lot of CEOs and executive leaders think it's some sort of fluffy name used for something else, which they can't quantify because they don't have the intelligences within their organization to actually execute on these things. You, we're really talking about the culture canvas. We're, we're really talking about human-centered design at the middle. We're talking about financial modeling. We're talking about trust canvas and leadership canvas as an integrated set of tooling, which actually aligns the whole business. Yes, I've got uh, trust matrices and I can measure financial performance. By the way, I posted actually, funny enough, on LinkedIn today, uh, a post which was actually originally um, by Harvard Business Review. It was sent out in 2012, which gets at the very core of why trust equals, can equal, increased financial performance. Nobody has bothered to listen up until maybe three or four years ago when they started to realize that actually we can start putting the metrics into this. We can start putting, we can actually measure behaviors. And and in, for many of the architects, Patrick Lencioni's and the Stephen Covey's, we, we, were, we were talking about that, you know, the, the, uh, the trust bank account where kind of like, if you do something positive today, you're going to get a credit. You do something wrong, you're going to get a debit. In China now, on your, on your, on your smartphones, they have, a, they have a barometer, which will actually come to you each day, which will tell you how positive you've been and and your inter and it'll cover all the interactions. It'll cover your behaviors. It reads all your emails. It reads everything that's basically provided, and it'll tell you in the day how good you are or not. Now, I'm not saying we're going to go yeah, to definitely that, don't level want that of extremity. <laughs> and I, I don't want, want that in this country at all. But I because... think that leadership can can, as I said, if we're being leaders of communities, then leaders should have the trust matrix as a part of a design-led innovation within the organization that touches on the culture canvas, that touches on leadership canvas, that touches on, you know, human-centered design. The problem is not enough inclusion in the process. The problem is leaders not uh, communicating, and they're not communicating correctly because they're not active listening there's the lack of empathy there's a lack of compassion yeah and they don't care a, and they don't care so That's therefore if i'm an employee what am i going to do well i tell you what i'm going to do uh, oak brent bill i'm going to quite quit or uh or, or you know i'm just going to actually even worse than that i'm just i'm just going to leave my desk and you know what who will notice if i'm gone anyhow because nobody actually wants to to actually listen to me i've always said the man or woman at the back of the room is going to have something very important to say why don't you bring them in because surely creativity and innovation stems from actually opinions perspectives mindsets lenses i know on the board of directors um where my chair lady will actually be, she's so active on this because she wants the best solution or she wants to support the ceo in ways that 
other CEOs have never been been um, uh, worked with in the past with the board of directors. We are senior execs. We are extremely experienced in what we do, but we've got to be able to show perspective. Well, surely you'd want that in your ELT. Surely you want that at home. You know, if, even if you are, it's not about creating the next problem. It's about creating the right solutions. And, and as a world, today, I can tell you, we are not showing too many great examples of where we are creating worldly solutions for our people. I agree with that. And, and uh, I, I want to kind of end with this thoughts. So, oh, you know, you mentioned you, you interjected there with Jeff real, real quickly and said that a lot of people, they just don't care. And one of the things not to take this on a, on a real esoteric or, or completely subjective level, but I think one of the issues that that um, that we have both in our own lives and society overall is there's a real lack of empathy that's out there, a real lack of caring about the people that are stakeholders, a real a real lack, quite frankly, in many cases, about caring about yourself and the outcomes of, of, of what you're doing. Is there a, and I think a lot of the problems would be solved with that. I mean, if you if you really learn to, to love this life, even with the challenges and the and the, the wins and the, the losses and everything that comes with it. Love your family, love the people around you, and, and come from a, a, a place of gratitude for the experience that you're having and for the gifts that you've got and empathy toward toward everyone else in the journey that they're on. I feel that's trans that's a transformative lens to view the world. Um, how would you guys how would you guys comment on that? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And and one of the things that I'm I always talk about is that part of your responsibility as a leader, whether it's in your family, it's in the community, at your office, is to get to know the people that you have the privilege to lead. And I mean on a personal level, you know, I got it. You got to keep the leader-led yeah. relationship to a point. But how how can you make decisions about people if you don't even understand what what their goals are, what they like, what they don't like, what they want out of life, out of their job. So, you know, there's simple ways to do that. You know, first of all, get up, get up out of your chair and walk out of your office and walk around where people are working. There you go. Um, lead from walking around, not from behind your desk and, and then start asking them questions. I tell, you know, I've had, I've been lucky in the last 15 years, just retired from government service job where in the last 15 years, I've been helping produce lieutenants for the United States Army. I've had my hand in producing over 580 lieutenants for the Army. And I told every one of them the day they got commissioned, I said, your goal should be to go out and find one person in your organization every day and find out something new about them. Not about work, about their personal life, their spouse's name, their kid's name. What sports do their kids play? What's their hobbies? What do they like? What don't they like? What, what's their goal in your organization? What's their goal in life? And then you need to make sure that you're helping them get to that point. Yep. And if, and and if we get back to that, where leaders actually care about the people they're leading, I think we're headed down the right path again. I agree. And you fiercely protect the things that you care about, which I think is uh, is vitally important as well. Well, guys, I really want to thank you both for for coming here and joining me. I, I would encourage everybody, uh, both Jeff and Oak. They've Oak's book is awesome. Uh, I read it earlier this year. And, and Jeff has I think what's seven, Jeff? 
<laughs> I saw Jeff in Phoenix. Threats. I saw so. Jeff in Phoenix, and I, I wrote one book last year, and it's like I gave Jeff my one book, and then I realized Jeff's written done that like seven times, which is pretty cool. <laughs> but but wealth of information in terms of the work that both you're doing. Uh, one one of the reasons one of the reasons that uh, that I love having these conversations because I, I think it's it's just absolutely critically important, and it's something that people need to to spend some time thinking about because at, at the at the very basic sense we can we can make decisions on a day-to-day basis that are honorable and have some integrity in our own lives and, and as opposed to that leadership maybe flowing downward maybe it's going to start to flow upward when we do that so thank you guys that's no, good I, I just like to end with one quick thing um if you don't mind um uh, the end you've uh, oak has fired me up on the empathy issue and uh empathy, yeah, i'm very passionate about the fact that we haven't got empathetic leaders you can read any article online but it's just it's just words they're not words that are actually committing to actions the esg agenda has not succeeded the social agenda non really non-existent now there are some companies that have actually done a good job of this but i would like to end um with, with a quote by Tim Brown, who was the former CEO of a, a company called IDEO, which I think you may or may not be aware of. But he said, and I think these words are incredibly pertinent, the transformation of a business as usual culture into one focused on innovation and driven by design involves activities, decisions, and attitudes. Workshops help expose people to design thinking as a new approach. Pilot projects help market the benefits of design thinking within the organization. Leadership focuses the program of change and gives people permission to learn and experiment. Assembling uh, interdisciplinary teams ensures that the effort is broadly based. Dedicated spaces such as, you know, you know Procter & Gamble Innovation Gym provide a resource for longer term thinking and ensure that the effort will be sustained. Measurement of, of impacts, both qualitative and quantitative, helps make the business case and ensures that resources are appropriately allocated. It may make sense to establish incentives for business units to collaborate in new ways so the younger talent sees innovation as a path to success rather than a career risk. May I just add that that covers everything that we wanted to kind of achieve on this call. You know, we talk about leadership, we talk about trust, we talk about purpose but most importantly why we are not creating community is beyond me brent thank you so much for facilitating this conversation today jeff oh thank you for uh, being an essential part of this conversation about an issue that in my opinion and i know brent shares this is the number one issue that we face today a lack of leadership and the lack of leadership is devastating it is devastating it's nice to hear words like trust, responsibility, and accountability enter into the conversation, Brent. Thank you for uh, for having this in the podcast today. My pleasure. And, and again, I think it's um, we, we add a lot of gems of wisdom here, but it really all starts with us. It starts with, with us in terms of how we choose to live our day every day and the amount of integrity we want to carry into our lives. I think that's where it starts. Amen. And for those who want to reach out to you, I, I, I know there are there's complete contact information in the show notes, but really quickly for those who want to reach out and further this conversation with you, how do they do that? Yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn. We put something up there almost every day. Uh, phone number here in the office, 602-255-0555. Either myself or a member of the team will pick up uh, or smartmoneysimplified.com or mpadvisorsaz.com. Got all kinds of contact information there.
That's fantastic. And for those who are listening today who are not already subscribers, I don't hit the subscribe button for crying out loud. That way you don't miss another episode of this podcast. You don't have to remember where and when you heard it. It just gets delivered to you. You're notified of it. And if you like it, tell people about it. Share it. Get the word out about this podcast and the conversations that Brent has, because they're terrific conversations. They really, really are. On behalf of Brent and everybody at MP Advisors, I'm Bill Tucker, reminding you to go out and make today a great day or not. It is your choice. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602-255-0555. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors, LLC, is not a broker dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.